0: Running away from people now, 20, 10, and gone. O'Neill, 67-yard touchdown run.
1: I've got reporters' <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. <laughs>
0: oh, Soaring through the air, high-flying
1: Slovakian. Fati was always soft. Can't uh, win uh, on the road, they say.
0: DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game! DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation,
1: brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg.
0: Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fontes. We welcome you into a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We do have a couple of guests lined up for you. Uh, Ava Wallace from the Washington Post will join us at twelve forty-five as we begin to preview Syracuse and Georgetown. That game set for Saturday down in D.C. And then at one thirty-five, we'll have our good friend Steve Andrus from Radio.com Sports on. Uh, to talk week 15 of the fantasy football season. I wish I could say that uh, it mattered to me. Uh, it no longer matters to me. I don't think it matters to you anymore, nah, as either. No. Nah. Uh But a lot of people out there uh, still involved in the fantasy football playoffs, so we'll get some advice from our good friend Steve Andrus. Your phone call is welcome at any time, 315-437-7644. We did our, our SU basketball team of the decade yesterday. We're going to switch gears and do our SU football team of the decade today. But we have to start with the baseball news, the big baseball news from overnight. I did not anchor the 11 o'clock news last night Ah uh, News Channel 9. And I woke up this morning to several text messages uh one from you, Seth, that uh it just gave the numbers. Nine years three hundred twenty-four. Uh one from Sal Manin that all it said was let's go with a bunch I got of exclamation. You got that one. I may have left out a word or two, but Sal's very yes. excited. Um several texts uh, from people uh in regards to the Garrett Cole news. Uh so it, it happened while I was sleeping, uh, but I woke up and uh certainly was was brought up to date quickly. Nine years, three hundred twenty four million dollars. We heard All these reports that Brian Cashman and the Yankees were willing to do whatever it took to land the the top free agent on the market, and as it turns out, those reports were true. They upped their contract from eight years to nine years. They outbid the Angels, who apparently were not willing to go above the $300 million threshold, and the Yankees got their man.
1: Yeah, they went out and did what they had to do. You know, this is a, this told me a couple of things. First off, it told me that the Yankees can still be the Yankees, right? It, they, they can still be the team that everybody hates, and for good reason, because look at that offer that they just pulled out of their back pocket. Uh, So they can still do that when they want to. It also tells me they didn't really want either Bryce Harper or Manny Machado last year, because if they did, they would have pulled out that offer for them. Uh, So there's a lot of interesting things that I think come out of this. Um, I also think, personally, me speaking, I I think that baseball is a better place when you have that team acting that way. I think that baseball is a better place when you have the Dodgers acting that way. When you have the Red Sox acting that way. Um, When you have these big powers that are willing to flaunt their money and, and willing to go out and make things happen at nearly any cost, I think baseball is a better place. And so um, I'm not saying that all the labor issues are fixed simply because the Yankees threw $324 million at Garrett Cole. Uh, however, I think that it's a good sign. You know, it's it's... It's a good thing for baseball that that certain teams are involved. I mean, you the, what what were the three teams that you heard around Garrett Cole? The Yankees, the Dodgers, the Angels. It's good when big markets are involved. It's good when big markets are interested. A lot of people thought
0: the Angels were the front runners. I mean, he he grew up literally down the street from where the Angels play their home baseball games within within a couple of miles, and a lot of people thought he was going to go back to the West Coast. He's a West Coast kid, um, but at the end of the day he got the 9 year deal that he was that he was looking for. Steven Strasburg, we talked about this yesterday. Steven Strasburg's 31. He signed for 7 years. Garrett Cole's 2 years younger than him. He wanted the 9 years and and he got that and he got more money. So the record breaking deal that Strasburg signed on Monday, it's now been surpassed by Garrett Cole and and we all expected that.
1: And it's and it's pretty remarkable because you you started to see the the reports kind of come out or you know, maybe they weren't as much reports as kind of like educated guesses and it was like yeah, this contract's going to end up at nine years, three twenty-four, and and it was like you you started to see that kind of uh, guessing come out, that kind of predicting come out by by reputable people. You know, I'm not talking about people on Twitter who like I could have gone out and been like, oh well, th- thirty-six a year would make them the the highest paid average player, uh, you know, annual average annual value, and nine years matches them up with Strasburg. Do that, like you saw it from reputable people, so they were doing the math of well the highest average salary, plus the nine years. And they were also probably hearing it from somewhere that that offer was out there and, and able to be had. So um, I'm kind of impressed at like how quickly it, it ultimately came together where, um, you know, uh, what, a, a week ago you were hearing he could wait until January to sign, and all of a sudden it's December 11th and the, the winter meetings are wrapping up tomorrow morning. And, and as, as recently as 1130 last night, it was like, yeah, he might sign by Thursday morning. And it, then and then half an hour later he signed.
0: Is that just a case of the Yankees didn't want to take the chance that he would get away? And so they said, fine, you want the nine years? Okay. We'll do the ninth year. Do we have a deal? And then, okay, yeah, we got everything yeah. we wanted. Scott <laughs> Boris said, Yeah, I'm good with that. And uh and Garrett Cole ends up with the New York Yankees. And and again, it if you if you listen to all the reports, it sounds like the Yankees were at eight years. The Angels weren't willing to go above the 300 million over the course of the entire contract the, you know the Yankees said fine that that shows you again as you said a couple of things that's the Yankees being the Yankees and i think it shows you how much pressure there is to to end this world series drought right i mean they're they're going all in i mean they are now the odds on favorites. You you look at the, the Las Vegas odds, right? I mean, they, the Yankees jumped ahead of the Astros in terms of who the favorites are for the, the 2020 World Series. They're right there with the Dodgers now as the, as the favorites to win it all. They have pushed all their chips to the center of the table, and, and it, it is... It is World Series or bust next year for the New York Yankees.
1: Oh yeah, uh, not just next year, the year right. after, Several the year years. after. And not for nine years, but at it, least for the no, foreseeable but, but future. For the next, but for the next what, three, four? Sure. You know what? And, and just think about this for a second. You've got a lineup that is that is potent. You know that that you know that offense is going to put up runs. And yeah, you lost D.D. Gregorius yesterday, but Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres, DJ LeMahieu are all still healthy and in your lineup. Miguel Andujar, as of right now, is still on your team and presumably a piece that's going to fit into that puzzle some way, somehow. Um, you've got a dynamic offense. You've now got a starting rotation that is going to go Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, who is a, a top five, you know, Cy Young type voting picture uh, pitcher when he's healthy, James Paxton, and Masahiro Tanaka fourth. And we saw what Tanaka does in the big games and the big moments. And, um, you know, I feel pretty good about that. I I feel I feel pretty good about that rotation going into you know a postseason run. This year was kind of weird. Severino was hurt. He hasn't had postseason success. But you probably feel pretty confident attacking Garrett Cole on the front of that because just look at what he's done the last couple of years.
0: No doubt. And and again, you've got Jay Happ still on that roster, Domingo Herman who may or may not be suspended to start next season, um but it, you know, he was a very effective pitcher let's say for for the Yankees in 2019. You know, he's still on the roster, Jonathan Lewisaga. Again, they they've got depth. With the, the starting rotation. We know that their bullpen is rock solid, but but they've got they've got depth, they've got a lot of options, and you put that guy at the head of that rotation and it makes you the World Series favorite.
1: And this is presumably one less day that they've got to use the full bullpen. Right. Right. This is presumably one less day each each five days that you've got to use the full bullpen because He's somebody who's going to give you six or seven innings every time. Every time he pitches. He's he's thrown 200 innings three of the last four years. He's somebody who is just a workhorse. And uh, what he did last year, he did not lose a start. And and again, I don't like pitcher wins. I I think everybody knows that by now. However, think about this for a second and what it says about him. He did not lose a start from May 22nd until Game 1 of the World Series. It's insane. That's ridiculous. It's insane. That and then utterly you know, ridiculous. And then he
0: bounces back after he loses game one of the World Series, he game, bounces back in yeah. game five and was terrific. Game so,
1: five was a masterpiece.
0: So yeah, I mean he was he is he is the best pitcher in the game right now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Led the majors in strikeouts, uh led the American league in ERA. Um as you said, he was he was lights out for virtually the entire second half of the season, going from May 22nd uh, throughout the entire postseason until he got to the World Series without a single loss. Um, He is dominant, and the Yankees add him to an already pretty good rotation. Now it becomes a very good rotation, um, an exceptional pitching staff, and again, with that lineup, they're going to score a lot of runs. They're not going to give up too many runs with that pitching staff. They are are a team that has their eyes on 100-plus wins and no doubt has their eyes on their first world series title in in you know a
1: decade and again you make your competition weaker uh you make the astros worse and and now you know were the astros really going to bring him back i don't know uh you know may, maybe they were but they they weren't ever it didn't seem like they were ever seriously no, the in fact that the he running. took
0: the Astros hat off the night right. of the World Series that they lost <laughs> yeah. and said I am no longer a member of this team I speak uh, for myself I, yeah, yeah I don't I think, think there was, was any no. chance he was going no, back to Houston
1: but, but so okay so you make the Astros weaker you also make the Dodgers weaker because they don't have him you also make the Angels weaker because they don't have him so uh now all of a sudden and and let's think about it this way for a second uh the Yankees the Yankees last year had a starter in their rotation that was some combination of CeCe Sabathia, Jonathan Lewisica, Luis Cessa, Chad Green, Nestor Cortez. And that guy is now replaced by the best pitcher in the American <laughs> League. Like, right? Like, the, those guys will not start anymore on this Yankees team, and you are replacing him with Garrett Cole.
0: Is it like
1: uh that's ridiculous.
0: taking and nothing against like Barama and Jesse Edwards but replacing him with like Shaq?
1: Yes. Is that is that the <laughs> same analogy? Yes, it is. <laughs> like Shaq in his prime. Right. It's like throw college Shaq on Syracuse's <laughs> team right now, see how much better they are.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good analogy. Three one five, four three seven, seventy six, forty four. If you'd like to talk the Garrett Cole signing by the Yankees, when we return, we're gonna get into our team of the decade SU football version. We're back after this on ESPN radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Burdick BMW three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We want some listener participation today. We did our SU basketball team of the decade yesterday, had some fun with that. Uh, time to get to, to football. A lot more positions when there it comes are. to football. Some of, some, these, them are... some of these were no-brainers. Some of them were, were more difficult than you might think.
1: I was going to say, some of them were really easy to pick. Like, some of them were really, really easy to pick. Um, some of them were really difficult, and I would I would argue that some of them were more difficult than the decisions we had to make on the basketball roster.
0: Okay. Well, let's get to it. So, our producer, Tommy Hogan, uh, put together a, a comprehensive
1: list. We should put this pay, this document out.
0: Yeah? and Let people pick their yeah, own? Yeah, maybe we'll do that later. Tommy did a great job putting this thing together. So, um, let's I guess, should we just start with the offensive line? I know it's not sexy, <laughs> but we'll kind of build up to the skill positions. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, Tommy started
0: with the offensive I think, line. Like, are we going to have
1: the same O-line? We very well might have the same offensive I, I mean, line. I mean, I think there's a darn good chance of that. Um, it's Mackie at center. Yes. I have, uh, I have Trudeau and Roberts at Guards.
0: I went I went Ivan Foy okay. and Trudeau there. But okay. Foy and Trudeau were both four year starters.
1: I went Roberts to give some uh representation to last year's line okay. because it was so strong and fair enough. I'm not gonna get them at another position. Fair enough.
0: Foy and Trudeau, it just like they played together, it just seems yep. like they kind of they kind of go together. Fair so, enough. So they were my they were my two guards.
1: Um and then I went Hickey and Pio as my tackles. No brainers there. No doubt about yep, it. Those are easy.
0: Um, do we want to circle back yes. to the quarterback? Yes, please, we want to wait on the quarterback. <laughs> yes, please, all right. All right. Uh, how about we go tight end next? Finish up along Jeez. the lines.
1: I can't figure this out. So here are the five tight ends we've got listed. We've got uh, Beckett Wells, uh, Josh Paris, Chris Elmore, Ravion Pierce, and Aaron Hackett. We missing somebody? I, I think. I don't that's think a, so. I think a that's it. Solid list. I think that's the comprehensive list. I mean, Gabe Haran had that one catch. I mean, Nick Provo's not on there. Oh, that's a good call. That might be the guy. I think it is the guy.
0: Tommy's <laughs> that fired. That might be the guy. Tommy's fired. I think it's got to be Nick Provo. I mean, he's the all-time leader in catches by a tight end, uh, and he also had the uh, the most catches in a season by a tight end. So I, th- I think it's Provo. Provo finished his career. Um, and I and I realize he half of his career was yeah, at the, was say the his... end of last decade. So he was two thousand eight through two thousand eleven. So his last two years were, were in, in this decade. Um but he is the all time I think he's the guy, yeah. He's the all time leader in receptions at the tight end position. So That's I, good. I think it's gotta be Nick Provo. That's
1: great because I didn't have a choice. I that think was one it, of the positions. That was one of the positions I, I said to you before the show. I said I have four positions that I'm really struggling with. Two of them because the options are really good, and two of them because I'm like, eh, I don't. I'm not really sure how to pick the.
0: I think based the on the here. options that we had that Tommy gave us, it probably would be Beckett Wales just in terms of sheer numbers of I was catches. Kind of thinking that, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's got to be Nick Provo. So already we we noticed a mistake <laughs> from Tommy.
1: Just um, as just as in the break on Q Sports Talk, I was like, I don't think he missed anybody. I think he, I think he really hit everybody. <laughs> we were everybody. just
0: singing his praises. Uh, he's sick today. We, we hope Tommy's feeling better. Um, how about wide receiver?
1: Uh, I have Alec Lemon, Irv Phillips, and Steve Ishmael. And that's not to take away from what Amba did. Uh, not at all. However, with time, I, I think we've got more perspective on that season. And that season's changed a little bit in my mind. Um just in that, like, I think we've seen since that whoever's the number one receiver in this system is going to go for, like, 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, you know, I, I, again, that's not a knock on Amba Editao. Like, he had an awesome season, and it was a lot of fun. But Irv and Ishmael and Lemon all gave you multiple years of it. And I think that—I mean, Steve Ishmael went the next—what, uh, the next season and, and did the same thing. Jamal Custis went and, and put up comparable number. you know, in the same ballpark of of numbers and, and as did Tristan Jackson. So I I kind of uh I don't want to say docked him, but I kinda of docked him for that. All
0: right. There are three players in school history with two hundred or more career receptions. It's those three guys. Okay, so I, I I picked the same three. Lemon, Phillips, Steve Ishmael. Let me ask you this though. If you had to rank those in order.
1: Oof. Lemon you, who Lemon you Irvinish. Is? Yeah, who am I putting those,
0: first? those three? If you had to, if this was like a Heisman ballot and you had to put I somebody am, first, second, third,
1: I am putting Alec Lemon first because, because he he's a combination it, of the other two, and he and and I would and say he did it he in a did a less did it, prolific. System. Yes, he
0: did it with a different offense. Yeah,
1: but but like think about the style of receiver he was. Right, he could have played inside and been a really good possession guy, and he did that at times, and and he could make that you know. Catch over the middle for seven yards and get you the first down when you needed six. Um, or he could kind of be the outside guy and and go a little deeper downfield. Like I, I think that he could have done a little bit of everything. Like he would have fit. He would have fit either spot in the Dino Babers offense. Correct. That I, I'll buy that. Like did, whereas whereas er, Steve Ishmael was very clearly an outside guy and Eric Air Phillips was very clearly an inside guy.
0: And he did it in in the. The old regime, right? The the old school offense, not this new throw right. it all, all around the yard uh, type of offense. Um, the other thing I'll say about Alec Lemon is this: if if it's if the if the game is on the line, and it, it, you need a two point conversion, let's say to tie the game, or whatever the case or may it's be, a or
1: hypothetical, a touchdown at Missouri.
0: Well, that's that's the play that jumps into my mind. The the game is on the line. There are a few seconds left. You need to get into the end zone, whether it's a two point conversion or a touchdown. And again, Alec Lemon did. I wasn't going to talk about that specific right. instance because once I laid out the scenario, I was going to say <laughs> that reminds me of the play at Missouri. Um, but but our our minds are in the same place, Seth. I feel like if there is if. If you need to throw to a guy like if Brady is looking for Julian Edelman like whoever the Syracuse quarterback is and if those are his three options he's looking for Alec Lemon.
1: Something that I noticed and and this is really obvious to point out um but something that I noticed going through this there are two parts that that guys come from. There there are two distinct like years that guys on these on this team for me came from. It is guys who played on Pinstry that 2012 balls, team right. And guys who played, like, the last two or three years here. Yeah. You know, and, and it's... Well, that makes sense. <laughs> like, because in, in between, you got a whole lot of nothing. Like, before that, it was whatever. Uh, you know, it's it's really that 2012 team and, like, the 17 and 18 teams. And I, I think that we're going to see that I, I think everybody that I picked, eh, just about everybody I picked was on one of those two, one of those three teams. And that makes sense. That makes sense. Um
0: Chandler Jones might be the
1: uh I think he's the the outlier,
0: but we'll we'll get into to Chandler and the defense here in a little bit. Um all right, so we got through the wide receivers, a couple other uh, candidates that that Tommy gave us, and and I, I think he did a good job with the candidates. Marcus Sales uh, had a really good career. Uh Esteem, Jamal Custis, Amba was on there. He Jared threw West, Ashton on there. Yeah, Jared, Jared West, West
1: had a good career he too. He threw
0: Aston Broil down there, but again, more so um I think just to
1: remember, have re- a little bit of fun. Remember that guy?
0: Yeah. Um but I, I think those are the three. If we're picking three, I think it's it's Lemon Irv and um uh, and Steve Ishmael. Uh all right, how about the running back position? Th- this is not easy. Um so we've got, you know, the likes of Prince Tyson Gully, Antoine Bailey, Jerome Smith, Dante Strickland, uh, Mo Neal on that list. Who'd you pick and why?
1: I went with Jerome Smith. Um I, I don't know. Like it, it was just my gut reaction. My gut reaction told me take Jerome Smith, and I, I know that you know Mo Neal had a fantastic career here and, and is at twenty five hundred yards, uh, you know, or thereabouts um, in his four years. And and he might he might be a, what a spot ahead of Jerome Smith on the rushing list. They're right in the same place. Um, I, I don't know. My gut just told me to pick Jerome Smith, and and so I did. So I picked Jerome Smith as well, and I.
0: I'm with you. I was I was torn because Mo Neal had a great career. He did, um, but you look at Jerome Smith. He's the last running back, obviously, in this program to go over a thousand yards. Um, he had 12 rushing touchdowns back in in 2013. He's tied for eighth in school history with 12 rushing touchdowns in a season. The likes of Floyd Little and Ernie Davis are tied with him. If you are in the same yeah. company as Floyd and Ernie Davis in in anything, um, then. You know, you, you know you're doing something right.
1: And his junior and senior year, he was just so good. Like each of those two years, he was so good. So
0: 2012, um, which was technically his sophomore season, he ran for over 1,100 yards. Um, he's That's the second most rushing yards by a sophomore in school history behind Joe Morris. So again, if you're if you're in the conversation with Joe Morris, Floyd Little, Ernie Davis, you're the guy. I, I think I think you're the guy, and that's not to take anything away from Mo Yeah, um, but I, I think Jerome Smith does get the nod as the the running back of the decade.
1: I forgot that he left a year of eligibility on the table. Yeah, I mean he that was my mind. He was
0: fantastic his uh, his last two years. Twelve rushing touchdowns in 2013, and uh, over 1,100 yards in, in 2012. Do we want to? Get into the quarterback situation. Can we here. wait
1: on this? Can we do? Can we try and run through the defense and then maybe take a break and come back to the quarterbacks? We can. We can absolutely
0: okay. take a break and, and come really back hard. on the quarterbacks. Um, obviously, the the conversations between Nassib and Dungy. We need. I think we need a little more time to to sort that out. Um, do you want to rattle through
1: the defense? Yeah, here? Let, let's do that. Uh, defensive okay. end to me was easy. Uh, Chandler Jones and Alton Robinson. So I know Kendall Coleman's okay. there too, but it was I, like I think Alton Robinson. Like I'm taking Alton Robinson. Okay, so I'm not. Okay, Okay. I'm taking
0: Chandler Jones, and I'm putting Kendall Coleman on there, and I did it for not necessarily – like, Robinson was a tick better in terms of his play on the field. He wasn't here as long, number one. Number two –
1: how should I say this? The spokesperson off the field.
0: Yeah, I mean – yeah. I mean, you know, Alton Robinson, some questionable things happened before he got here. Kendall Coleman – Leader of the defense, you know, four-year guy, heart and soul of the defense. You know, to me, he's he's like he's like the Zaire Franklin of of this defense for the last couple of years, and, right. and we'll, we'll get to Zaire in a moment. Um, but I gave Kendall Coleman the nod because of the intangibles that he brings to the table, and and again, he had a fantastic junior season. The numbers weren't quite there this year, and if you're talking about sheer talent. And where they project at the next level, obviously Alton Robinson's the the better the better pick there. Um, but just all things considered, the fact that he, that he was a four year guy here and, and poured his heart and soul into this program, uh, started here, you know, finished his career here. I I gave Kendall Coleman the nod. All
1: right, I, I mean I'm not going to argue with you on it. Like okay, I I totally understand that one.
0: Uh, defensive tackle, I thought that was easy. I had Bromley and, and Slayton. Yep, no um, doubt,
1: slam dunks. And think about that they went uh, they went what eight years back to back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean you're rock I mean, you, solid there. You went
1: one right into the other. That's incredible,
0: linebacker. So we we Zayer picked, Franklin. We picked three linebackers. Zaire's got to be a pick. Cam Lynch has got to be one of yep. your picks. I, I you gave the, the I gave one? the third spot to Marquise Sproul. You <laughs> did, did as well.
1: Okay, um, we are really thinking similarly on these. Shamarco Shemar- Thomas is your strong safety. Yes, there's no doubt about that. And uh, I went Andre Cisco with my with my free safety. <sighs>
0: So let's talk about this. I cause I was torn and I never I, I made a pick at every position except for this one. Really? I, I, I was torn between Eskridge and Cisco. Um, Cisco's only done it for two years. Eskridge was a guy that that did it for four. Um, you know, he's a guy that that went on to play in the CFL. Um you know, Cisco's got more interceptions already <laughs> and he's he's he only does. been on the team for two years. He does.
1: The defense last year I think was largely better than the defenses that you know, the the defense that Sis that Eskridge get, kind of diff- Again, it was a different I, time back I then. Know. Oh, I know. What
0: broke the tie for you? What, like why why Cisco? Like what puts you over the top with the, Cisco? The
1: interceptions, um, again, somewhat of the attachment to last year, um, and wanting to get that team more more recognition on this uh, on this year on this team um but yeah i, I think a lot of it is last year and, I mean
0: Drell Res- Drell is a friend of the program like he <laughs> he came on Orange <laughs> Nation several times leading up to uh leading up to that NFL draft in 2014
1: I know i mean and, and he was a great player and he and he was a, a really uh, you know he's a, a really big piece of that defense. A guy who you know, if you think, and if if he sticks around for that one more year, you know, does does that next season look different? Um, you know, it's it's one of those questions. I I don't know. I just I went much like the running back question, where I was just like kind of hemming and hawing. And I, I know I looked at numbers and, and and the stats and all that stuff. Um, I I don't know. I just kind of went with Andre Cisco.
0: All right, I'm going to go ask Rich. Okay, because he was solid. And if he did it for longer than than, than Cisco. Fair Cisco. And, and again, it's not to take anything away from Andre Cisco, but just to be different, I'll, I'll go Eskridge there. Cornerback
1: uh, was tough. <laughs> I had a problem here. I have one circled. Well, I got two circled. You pick Keon Lin. I got Keon Lin and Antoine Cordy, and I don't know what to do with my third one. Well, Cordy was like I said this to you before. He's not really. He's not really a corner. No,
0: but he was like he's got to be a pick because he was on the team for like the entire decade. So he like he has to be just for his longevity. He's got to be a pick, honorary pick.
1: Give Um, a a nod to Julian Wiggum for coming on the show all those times. You know, I really wanted to pick Julian. (laughs) I did,
0: Uh, but I went with Keon Lin. I went with Cordy, and I went with uh, Christopher Frederick.
1: All right. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I'll take I'll take Frederick as my third. Sure, special like teams. Uh, it's it's Andre Schmidt Yes, and uh, we're going two punters. <laughs> You're picking them both. I'm carrying two punters. You can't I, have you know them both. What? Instead of a instead of a third quarterback, I'm going with another punter. You can't have them both.
0: <laughs> you can't are going to have Huff Richter
1: handle the kickoffs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dixon's going to exactly. handle the punting? That's exactly what we're doing. There you go. All right. That's exactly what we're doing. I, I, if Tommy's listening if, if right now... Huff Richter's the kickoff man, and, and Riley is the, is the punter. If Tommy's listening
0: right now, he's rolling his eyes. He's going to kill us tomorrow. Um, yes. Um... All right, that's fair. I, I I picked Dixon as my punter, but okay. sure. We no, I, has to be on the He's got to be on the roster. We'll we'll let him handle the kickoffs. Exactly. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're, we're going to talk about the quarterback position. Is it Ryan Nassib is it Eric Dungy? Who's the quarterback of the decade? 3154377644 back after this on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. All right, Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Drivers Village. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to chime in on our SU football team of the decade. We have just one position left uh, it's the most important position, and maybe the most debatable position, and that is the quarterback position. Who you got, Eric Dungy, Ryan Nassim.
1: I don't know. Um, I had I had a real problem with this one too. I, I really did. I I don't know what to do. Um, when you look at impact on the program, when you look at the the records and running the ball and the 10-win season it's really easy to say eric Dungy. um when you look at the numbers and you want more of a pure passer and durability um it's and factor in that ryan nassim kind of had a year taken away from him in the middle uh you know it's you can look and say ryan nassim should be the guy as well um i really i really genuinely don't know what to do with that. I genuinely don't know. I, I lean Dungey because of career achievement overall and and he's the guy who led that team last year and was such an integral piece and um you know probably the integral piece. Like he's the guy that really made it run. Uh but like Ryan Nassib was really good too. You know he was a really good player for this program. Absolutely. Really good.
0: Um and you look at at the two Senior years for these quarterbacks, 2012 when Nassib and the Orange went eight and five, and they they beat West Virginia in the Pinstripe Bowl. And you look at at what Dungy did last year in 2018, leading them to a 10 and three uh, season and and beating West Virginia in the Camping World Bowl. Um, which season was more important? Because and I, and I know again well, the easy is answer book,
1: is, is that book written yet? Well.
0: I know the easy answer is is last year because it was ten wins. It felt like they turned the corner. They got back into the top twenty five, which they did not do uh, coming out of that two thousand twelve season. Um, but let, let's let's remember that you know that was a, a key time as well for Syracuse football, and then that led to. Marone getting the job with the Bills and and right. led to another shakeup where Schaefer's takes you know Schaefer takes over as head coach and and ultimately leading to to the hiring of Dino Babers. Um I don't know. I mean that that's certainly a way to look at it. For for me and I know that it's a close call and I and I understand why you're torn on this one. I think the answer is Dungey.
1: I do too. Um, I think the answer is Eric Dungey. I'm pretty sure the answer is Eric Dungey.
0: Either set or tied twenty five school records, and again, some of it was the offense that he was in, and I get that. And and you look at the passing yards, and he 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 just beat out Nassib in terms of the passing yards in his final game. He he went past him in that West Virginia game in the camping world bowl. Um you know, Nassib was uh, was on the team when they when they went to two pinstripe bowls. He obviously was drafted in the NFL. I don't know if we can take that into account—the fact that he was a fourth-round pick by the Giants. Um, I I think, I think Dungey's the guy. I think he was, you know, he was a a four-year starter for this team. He engineered the first signature win for Babers against Virginia Tech. He engineered a signature win. Yeah, the signature win. One of the signature wins of this program. Yeah, uh, knocking off Clemson. The then, you know, getting to. The ten wins and, and that camping world bowl, and it was a great way to cap his career. Um I mean, was, and, and
1: he and he put this team back in the top twenty five. That win at Clemson was the biggest moment in the dome since when? I mean, like what well, like what are we talking about? It, it's the biggest moment in the dome. I guess we'll limit it football eyes. Since what? Michael Owens and the two point conversion. I mean, that's that's definitely on the list. Um, you know, like you know what I mean? Like it's like it, it's that kind of a and I'm trying to think on the basketball side too. I mean, there's there there isn't anything that that is jumping to mind in my time up here that is a bigger moment than that team beating that Clemson team. And the fact that he was the fact that he was really the guy driving that um I mean, th- again, think about the last drive of that yeah. game. The and last play, the la- la- yep. when they had to pick yep. up the first down. Yeah, they need they needed what four yards, and, and he got five or, or whatever it was. And, and I'm, I'm blanking on the exact yardage, but I don't think he it was, was quite that far. They, I, I think maybe two, yeah. and he needed, and they got three, like what, whatever it was. But he he was so integral in making that happen, so important in making that happen.
0: Biggest moment in the Dome, I, I don't know if it's a moment, I, I go back to McNabb's senior year, his senior day, when they just annihilated Miami, and then they went to the Orange Bowl, I think that was pretty big. Sure. Um, certainly Michael Owens in the two-point conversion, certainly when Syracuse, you know, three years prior to that beat Nebraska, I mean, those are all on the list in, in some capacity, um, but there's no doubt, the biggest moment slash biggest win in the Dome in at least 20 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's no question about it. And, it, and it set the stage for what would happen the following year.
0: I, I think the answer is Dungy, and and I'm curious to yeah.
1: The more I talk it, the more I talk it through, the easier it becomes to me. But yeah, I, I had a hard time with that initially. All right, I, you know, because Nassib was really good. Oh, he was. <laughs> you know? He was, he was really fantastic. Good. He was
0: fantastic. He's. I, I think he's he's top five in program oh, history yeah. at the quarterback position top 5 top 6 I yes, mean he's he's, he's right there um but I I think Dudgey's got him beat well we can get back to this uh at the top of hour number 2 when we return though we're going to talk some Q's basketball uh SU Georgetown coming up on Saturday we'll speak with Ava Wallace from the Washington Post she covers the Hoyas for that publication we're back after this on ESPN Radio